Okay, people. Yes, it is Monday. I know we are dropping a special echoes from the void because man, it is a great day, man. We we get to um talk about a new TV series that is dropping. It's a limited series. It's dropping tomorrow, right? And we have the great Jennifer Sheridan joining us to talk about that show, people. So um, you know you're going to want to be a part of this one. So people, let's get it popping. Okay, people, let's get it popping with a little look at episode one of Rules of the Game. Okay, people, so sometimes things happen, right, that you really do not expect, but boy, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, you know what I mean? And one of these things just so happens to be rules of the game, right? Now, when I say these things happen, it's because I had no clue about it, but I had previously spoken to the director. So I just suddenly it popped up in my feed on Instagram and I was like, oh shit, Jen's got a new thing. So, you know what I mean? Obviously I hit her up and um, yeah, I was able to get a sneak peek at episode one, right? And whoo, I mean, this was, this was something, right? Oh my gosh, right? I'm just watching the show and it's just like, whoo, it, it, it sucks you in. It really sucks you in. I had no clue what to expect. So, let us give you the gist, all right? It is written by Ruth Fowler, directed by Jennifer Sheridan, uh, executive produced by George Faber, Mark Pibus, Lucy Richer, and Aaliyah Butt. Simon Mayers is the main producer on it. And it is starring Maxine Peak. She plays Sam Thompson. We have got Raki Fakra. She plays Maya Benshaw. Uh, Susan Wakama plays D.I. Eve Preston. Kieran Bew plays Gareth Jenkins. Ben Bat plays Owen Jenkins. Callie Cook plays Tess Jones. Alison Stedman plays Anita. Um, that's Owen's mum. All right. Vanessa, um, Zoe Zappa plays Vanessa Jenkins. That is Owen's wife. And Catherine Pierce plays Gareth's wife, Carice Jenkins. So that's the cast. And you might think, oh, so what's this about? 
I'll tell you, people. Sam is ruthless, abrasive, and her willingness to play along with the boys means she's climbed to the top of the ladder at sportswear company Fly. As COO, it's a view she's comfortable with. Maya, the newly hired HR director, has a very different perspective. She and Sam clash from their very first meeting. And when Maya begins to unpick the toxic culture of the workplace, dark secrets begin to emerge. Soon, both she and Sam are asking questions about a young female employee. Amy, who died in mysterious circumstances after a company party some years ago. Rocked by a sudden terrible death on company premises, Sam faces questions from the police and finds herself pulled in all directions by her loyalty to the company, by her own family, by Maya, and by new revelations about the death of Amy 10 years ago. Two deaths, one toxic workplace, just how culpable is the company and how guilty is Sam? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> oh, shit. Trust me, right? If I had known that, I would have been in regardless of, you know what I mean? Having previously spoken to um, Jen. But yeah, so as I said, look, I have no clue. Right. But it, it starts off and there's people outside a building in pajamas <laughs> and onesies. Right. There's a dude. I think it's a Care Bear onesie or a shark onesie. And it's just like, yo, what? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of thinking, what am I watching here? What What is this? What have I agreed to? No! <laughs> you don't want to have a conversation and be like, yo, I hated every part of what I just watched, man. What can I say? You know, obviously, we'd be respectful. You feel me? But it's always better when you've enjoyed something. So this happens. Right, and then we have a woman in red pajamas, and you know she's looking shocked. She's sitting in the back of an ambulance, and we get kind of flashes, right, of her then walking into the building, and you just see these drops on the floor, which you then realize it's blood, and you're like, oh shit. And the police are asking questions and we have all of this. Then we've got her. Um, well, you have the police show up. Right. Uh, we have the police show up, people. Um, then we've got them talking to Sam. Right. And, you know, there's all these questions being asked. And it's just like, hey, let's just start at the beginning. Right. And. Boom. That's what we do. We jump to, you know, events beforehand, which, yeah, you know what I mean? Listen, we, we've seen this way of introducing something before, but I do enjoy it, right? And especially when it's done well. This is done well. So we, we have, you know, Maya's first day at the company, Right, and so in that synopsis, it says her and Sam clash. Yeah, 
we we see that it's weird everything is super weird right you don't know why you know what i mean you you don't know why now obviously listen i think we've all been the new person in a workplace and i think especially when you've been the new person and the person before you they left or got sacked and everyone loved them right that then gets it gets super weird man super weird especially when you find that that person has fucked up a lot of shit right? <laughs> then you have to try and correct and it's oh man it's, it's not only so you know i don't know if you've been in that experience but i mean most people you know i mean most people everyone's been a new person in a workplace right so i'm sure everyone can kind of relate to maya you know now so she's coming in with that new person energy that uh <laughs> what do they call it on your mum's house that um oh nig i forget anyway anyway people so yeah she's super perky which you, you get you get but yeah sam not not overly pleasant and welcoming so you think, hmm, there's shit going on here. And the way they tell the story, right, you, you get to have everything unfold. We we go to um, Sam's home life, right? She's got two kids, her and her partner, you know, so we see that. But then we also find out that there's therapy going on and just all of these things, right? We see Maya. And, you know, when, I should say, we see something when we first meet Maya, when she's in the car, getting, you know, ready to leave. And that, I think that gives you some indications on something. Well, indications, I mean, questions, right? Questions. And so, you know what I mean? We learn a bit more. Right, we learn a bit more, and I mean, she says something when she's speaking to Amy. Right, because Amy's like, "Why do you want to help me?" And she's like, "Because I understand how it feels when no one's protecting you," and that is a big thing about this. It's a big thing about this. You know what I mean? There, there, there's it. It's funny. Right. Sometimes things come at that just perfect moment. Right. Because I think if this had come out just a few years ago, I think it might not have hit as hard as it does. I mean, obviously, listen, people would watch it and enjoy it. But I think with everything that's been in the news and, you know, certain incidents, I'm talking Epstein, I'm talking... Gisane, Gisane, I forget how you pronounce her name, but Gisane Maxwell, let's just say that, right? It, it lets you look at this through a different gaze, you know? Now, I have no clue, right, the, the, the way this was written or anything like that, but, man, I saw these parallels, right? 
It's all these parallels. And it's not parallels. There's no sex trafficking going on in this story. Well, maybe later. Who knows? In the first episode, there's not people. I can, I'm not going to tell you what goes down, but I can tell you that. I can tell you that. And I feel I'm not spoiling or ruining anything. You know what I mean? What I mean, though, and you you saw this in, um, oh, that film. I feel it was called Bombshell, right? About, um, oh, God damn it. The, the dude that ran Fox. You know what I mean? Um, and it's the, the culture, right? It's the culture. And in that film, his secretary knew. His secretary knew. But she would, you know, get the women to come into the office and, you know, wouldn't warn them or tell them. And people just, everyone knew. No one talked about it, right? And so... You know what I mean? It, it, it's, that's a, a thing here. It's a thing here. But it's done so, oh my gosh, it's done so well, right? Because you see all these different personalities. You see these incidents in the workplace. And I got to say, man, it, it definitely whew, brought me back to some just shitty work situations. Woo! <laughs> but it paints that picture so well. Paints so, like sometimes you watch these things and the work situations, you just watch them and be like, yo, people don't do that in the workplace. Like that doesn't like what the fuck is this, man? But this boy, it nails it. It really nails it. Just some of the, the detail, right? That we see, just the way people act and you know. What I mean? the way they talk and just all of that, man, you believe in those situations, right? Just the casual drinking, like um, the way, you know, people comment and pass tasks off because they do not want to do them, right? So it all unfolds, but it's not just all in the workplace because, yeah, Maya is new. She's new to this joint. So we see her, you know, the, the, the start of her trying to integrate into this place. Yeah, we don't know where it is, you know, but we know it's not London. That's one thing we do know. But we see her, like, starting to integrate. But, you know, what I mean, it's that thing where it's just like, ah, oh, do I want to do this? And so, yeah, it, it's super interesting. And just the permeations of the work, man, it really spirals out from the workplace. So it's just, man, it's intriguing as hell. So we have all of this, and throughout, we're cutting back to this police situation. Because, huh, yeah, I don't know what you would call it. It's not quite an interrogation. It's just questions, right? So we're, we're, we're cutting between that and this, which also gives you the point of, huh, what's the truth, right? Because what we see in the flashbacks 
doesn't always tie up with what we're hearing. So that, oh man, it, it, you're just watching, you're being like, yo, wait, hold on a second. She just said, but we just saw, huh? And, you know, the police have questions, right? We, we see them, especially when it's just, you know, because it's the beginning of the investigation. So they're trying to work out what happened. And just some of the, just the quick little hits, the quick little hits that, um, oh gosh, D.I. Eve Preston comes with. You know what I mean? Um, just uh, her observations of suicide, right? And, and <laughs> there's a bit where she's just like, oh man, I used to work um, murder and rape. Oh, I miss that. And you're just like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, what the fuck? But kind of makes a little sense because I think there's certain cases and things that you think are probably a, a lot more clear cut, right? But a suicide, man especially depending on the note that's left and the way it is and just whew, can be crazy. But that, and as I said, look, that doesn't seem like a crazy comment in the context of what's going down, right? But everyone we meet in this first episode, you believe, right? You, you believe in this full rich character, right? And we don't know a lot about these characters, but straight away, they're getting brought to life in a really great way. In a really great way. We've got fantastic camera work. You know what I mean? Just the way the scenes are set up. That's everything like that. Man, I, I got to say, people, you definitely want to check this show out, right? It is, um, it's four episodes, Okay. And it will be debuting on BBC One and BBC iPlayer on Tuesday, the 11th of January at 9pm. Okay, that's when it hits. But don't fear, because all the episodes will then go onto iPlayer as a box set. So you don't have to wait. Don't have to play them games, people. How great is that, right? How great. I love that shit. Because it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to watch it all that night. But, hey, you might want to watch it the next day or that. But you just don't have to wait until next Tuesday, which, you know, is fine. But, man, I, I, I like it that I can decide when I'm going to watch something. You feel me? But, yeah, this is definitely, I'm hooked. I want to find out what happens next, people. Trust me, because, boy, there is a web that is weaved. There is a web that is weaved. I want to find out what my fucking spider is doing that shit. So, um, yeah, you people, people, when have I led you wrong? When have I read you wrong? You know what I mean? Now, if you watched um, Jen's film from uh, the London Film Festival, right? 2020, Rose, A Love Story. Now, 
completely different. But if you enjoyed the way that story was told, you enjoyed the visuals. Yeah, she brings that expertise to this. So if you like shows like, you know, House of Cards, the thick of it and all of that kind of jazz, the West Wing kind of thing, just those intrigues, those stories that aren't necessarily clear cut. You know what I mean? Stuff like Memento and things like that. If you enjoy that, then Rules of the Game, oh, that is definitely gonna get you thinking and have your brain just on overdrive, man, because it, boy, I so far, I love it, love it. It's about an hour, right? Think an hour, 60 minutes, just slightly under 57, something like that, you know what I mean? But yeah, people, go get you some, because boy, I gotta say, right over the, the 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 next three episodes, I imagine some revelations are gonna be unfolding. So uh, yeah, there you go, man. Rules of the game. Let's get it. Po it's been a couple of years, people, but now we have the tremendous the just uh, incredible Jennifer Sheridan stopping by to um, talk about how this came about, people. So sit back. Let's go. Okay, people. So I am joined with Jennifer Sheridan. You may remember her because we spoke during the 64th BFI London Film Festival. Right in 2020, 2020, that was right, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was yeah. about Rose, a love story. Which people, if you haven't seen it, shame on you, shame <laughs> on you. Go, go watch. I'd say right away, but watch this first and then go watch that film because it's great, it's definitely great. But yo, Jen, I really appreciate you um coming by again. Thanks, Kevin. It's nice to talk to you again two years later. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. When, when you think about the time, it's just like because I was thinking, when was it last year I spoke to it? Yeah, and it's like, oh no, boy, that was a that was a while ago. But it doesn't really seem like that long, you know, know. With just the fact that yeah, we we don't haven't been out much. <laughs> no, exactly. That's that's exactly it. That's the problem. Time has no meaning anymore. Really, it's just all Indeed. relative. Life. Yeah. <laughs> now this is interesting because you know we last spoke about a film but this is you've got a new tv project coming right yeah. rules of the game rules of the game That's coming right. to the bbc bbc one and bbc iplayer right so i mean huh you're playing in a different sandbox how did that feel well i mean it's always a funny one especially being a British kind of filmmaker director because it's much much harder to get your hands on those feature projects you know they they are few and far between whereas TV it's all popping off in TV I mean they're making so much especially after the little hiatus that Covid gave us there's a lot of catching mm. up to do people need content 
So I'm happy to provide <laughs> some content for people to watch on TV. Well, and have you know, like, I've noticed this big difference, right? Back in the day, it was just like, no one wanted to do TV, right? You saw big stars and they're only doing film. And if one did a TV show, it was just like, oh, Fingy's career's on the decline. Look, they're taking TV work. But then all of a sudden, we saw the quality of TV just shift because there was that distinct line, right, with the filters that we use and everything like that. You knew what was a film, you knew what was TV. Then everything kind of started to blur. I think it kind of happened, started to happen with like HBO and the, the, the yeah. big shows that were coming to HBO. But now with the invent of Netflix and Amazon and all of that, we are seeing these big budgets. So has that really affected your ability to tell these stories on TV, do you think? I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because I've not yet had access to those kind of like massive HBO budgets. And I think <laughs> actually coming from the world of like low budget filmmaking into kind of the world of TV is quite good because you sort of have this expectation that quite quickly gets smashed away, which is that you're going to have loads of time. You're going to, like, you know, only have to shoot, like, a scene a day. But actually, it's it's crazy. The schedules are crazy. And it's not a million miles away from shooting a low-budget feature. you still got to think on your feet. you still got to come up with cost-saving solutions a lot of the time. And so that was actually a good way to learn, like, TV work. But... Now, you know, my next job is for Disney Plus. I think hopefully I'll have a bit more budget there, you know. But the problem is, is that problems expand to meet your your um, budgets. It just feels mm. like the bigger the budget, the more expectation, the more kind of possibly the more things that you can play with as a filmmaker. But, you know, you still got pretty savage schedules to deal with. So I don't know if that ever goes away. Yeah, I... I kind of relate, right? I, I mean, I've never made a TV show or a film yet. You know, there's things in the pipeline that might happen. Who knows? But, you know, the, the, you know in my day job, right, marketing, I do marketing and comms. And there's been a lot of times you go somewhere and you're like, you've got no budget. And we're like, okay, let's try and do this thing. And so there's been a lot of hustling and doing things. And then I remember one time um, was, I, I was working at this one place, right? And we had to fundraise for our different, you know, the different work that we were doing. And so you never knew when the job was going to start because it was when the money came. And then one day at the end of the year, it was just before Christmas. And it's just like, oh, we, just, we got 40 grand. We can do the image bank. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, that's a lot of money. All right. Ah, oh, fuck, I can't mess this up. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm just like, all right. And then it's just like, we, we needed to launch it at a big event we were doing in March. No, sorry, the 1st of April. But being it, this this news came on something like the 22nd of December, it's like, okay, well, no work will happen until mid-January. Yeah. Oh, shit. So I'm sending emails and like trying to get things just in place. So when I get back to the office, you know, what I mean? <laughs> the work could start. But it was just, man, like I knew what I wanted, but it was then just having all this money and this short a period of time. Because 
the work actually kind of started in February. And so I had to build this image bank, do all the photo shoots, build the website to host it all. So then, and then we flew out to Vancouver just like at the end of March. And then we had to die and present it. And it was just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you, you get it done. And I think, I, I wonder if you find this as well, because when you work on things with low budget or no budget, you just learn new ways to kind of adapt and get things done. So when you actually get money, you don't go crazy. Like you, you're kind of frugal with your time and, you know, resources, because you just like, I understand what it's like to have none. So I'm not wasting this. Right. Yeah. Is that something that you kind of found when doing these things? Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, I think sometimes I would still be so much in that mindset of like low budget that I'd say something, but we probably can't do that. And my producer would go, yeah, no, we can, we can do that. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I thought that was expensive or something. And he'd be like, no, no, it's fine. You can do that. Like, okay. so yeah, was- you, you forget how much money you're playing with. And then someone says it, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, exactly. Your perception is always changing because... I remember like when I heard about my first series that I did the budget, I thought, oh, God, that's really big. And my producer was like, it's not, it's nothing. I was like, oh, but it's massive. She's like, yeah, but divide it over five episodes, Jen. It doesn't come out as much. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. I didn't think about it. Yeah, you have to learn a lot about that kind of stuff. But you've also got to be brave enough to push people. And I think that's something that you need to learn as well. It's like, asking for what you want and just knowing what you're willing to negotiate on and what where you're going to put your foot down and say no we need that that's really really important yeah oh my gosh yes that's definitely something that i found right that people would then talk to you thinking that oh you you've never played in this field before so just sit back i'll tell you how to and be like no 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 no. i know what i need i know what i want that's not it so we're gonna do exactly. this Okay. (laughs) There's that famous saying, isn't there, especially in advertising, but it's like the triangle where you can only pick two things and each thing on the triangle is one is good, one is fast and one is cheap and you can only pick Mm. two. So it can either be cheap and good, but not fast, or it can be fast and good, but not cheap. Like you have to only choose two out of the three, otherwise it won't be good. Yeah, no, definitely. And sometimes cheap and fast is just not the way to go, right? Because your results aren't going to be great. (laughs) Very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So how did this, you know, how did Rules of the Game come about? Well, um, it was developed by a production company called The Forge, who are a really respected drama company. Um, and they they worked with this writer called Ruth Fowler and they'd written three of the scripts when I initially first read them. And I just really loved them because it's sometimes you get sent a lot of scripts and you're like, oh, you know, but it can become a bit of a chore sometimes, even though I mm. love reading scripts. But, you know, when they're not good or they're not like engaging, it can be a bit like, Ugh. whereas these, it was just like I read them so quickly. I really wanted to know what happening at four so I was hooked into the world and I thought this is really a world that I want to help build and I want to spend time with these characters even though a lot of them aren't very nice I still want to <laughs> hang out with them and like you know so it's I was hooked in really very early on and um 
yeah, I was lucky enough to get the job to direct them. So got lucky. Okay. Good. So what, when that comes through to you, what like what do they say? Do they is it like what are your thoughts on this? How would you make it? How would you do this? Like what you know? Yeah, how do they kind of decide if you know if you're I'm the not... person to deliver this? Yeah. Well, what I tend to do is when I go for jobs, and I'll, I'll sort of create a document, which is like a it's a pitch document essentially, and it's a lot of images, and I sort of take you know, examples from things that I like or things that I think would work, like ways of shooting, like, you know, oh, I really like the way this was shot and, and I think we could use this technique from succession or whatever it is and just take inspiration and sort of put a visual document together. And then when I meet them, I present that document. But, you know, first of all, you have like a chat about you and what mm. you've done and, you know, see what they're like as people and they're sussing you out as a person, obviously, as well. And then you kind of present this document and say, you know, this is my approach. This is what I would do with it. And I, they either like that or they don't. And I guess that sort of whether you get the job or not is probably based on that, really, because they want to know how you approach it, how you would approach it and what you'd bring to it as a director. So, yeah, that's how I do it. I pitch visually, very visual. Okay. Okay, and yeah, because I really liked the way Rose was shot, oh, and thanks. that story was kind of told because it really kind of just sucked you in, and you know, it, it wasn't a load of different sets, right? It was very much in that one room, essentially, but it didn't feel claustrophobic. It didn't feel like, oh, we're only in this one room. It, you know, it, you were just immersed in the story, and just straight away with this. I mean, visually, you get sucked into the, you get sucked into it, right? <laughs> it, it, it's just when Sam walks in and you kind of pan down, you see the drops on the floor. It's just like, oh, water on the floor. That's not water. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we pan up and it's just these different looks and everything like that. And you're just like, whoo, okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, it, it, it just jumped out. Now, those like the scene what we're seeing how much of that was in the script and how much did you go okay this is how I want to start it this is how you know I want to introduce this element and this is what I want to show right from the jump yeah well the script was especially in the opening of the of the show the script was very visceral it described kind of sounds the sounds design and stuff like that it was it was really descriptive and I wanted to stay true to that as much as possible and obviously you've got um this isn't a spoiler because it happens in the first minute but you've got people in pajamas sort of mm. so that kind it, of threw me yeah because you're like in this kind of looks it almost look like a police procedural drama but then everyone's in pajamas and it's a bit weird and there's you know like interesting music and so I stayed really true to the sound design that was in the scripts and stuff. But we we played a lot around with like different versions of the opener and whether we should sort of stay in one world a bit longer. But then I really liked the kind of flashing between two different time zones. Mm. And, and I really wanted to introduce the audience to Sam's character in like an interesting way and just hold off revealing her a little bit, you know, so that she's not the first thing that you see, but she's quite quickly the one of the first people that you really meet so you know that it's her story 
but I just wanted to build up to that a little bit. And um, yeah, I really like the opener. And I found this um, quite obscure German band called Agar Agar. And I just loved their music. And I was like, I've got to use this music in the show because it's so, it's quite beautiful, but quite dark and deep. And for me, it kind of captured something that was quite special. So I think I think it works well. <laughs> oh no, it, it, it works because yeah, I'm kind of, I'm the music's playing I'm like do I know this like it sounds familiar but it sounds different right and so you're just like huh and it does fit right it feels right for those moments because it's funny because I there's times I hate music and stuff well I don't hate music and stuff but I hate music sometimes that it's just like this is where you feel sad happy music and you know what I mean but it's like this music just felt right for these moments and so the the, the way this opening is playing and everything like that you're just yeah you just you're pulled in straight from the jump right and sometimes it takes a while for you like I'll tell you a little something and don't hate me for this right because it's going up again going against a lot what a lot of people say but everyone would say the wire is the best thing on tv i came to the wire a bit late because you know how stuff was shown on tv back in the day over here like you didn't hear about it for ages and then you'd have to try and find it and it's at two in the morning and but every week it's a different time and so it's crazy but i eventually found the wire and um i didn't love it from the jump I'm watching it, I'm just like, man, everyone's talking about this show, but it's okay, but all right. But then I think it's like episode four. I'm just like, why are you doing that? What's going on? God, don't do that to her. What's that? I'm like, oh, I think I like it. You know what I mean? And so sometimes it takes a while for you to to vibe with things. But this, man, I was was sucked in. But I did give me... Yeah, there is a butt, Jen, because I've got bone, because I've got flashbacks. Man, you triggered me to some bad work situations. And I'm just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, I know how that feels. Oh, God damn it. I hope you never turned up to work to find a dead body in the lobby. Did that? <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, shit. Um, I'll say no. No, 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 no dead body, no dead body, but a lot of that, you know what I mean, weird behavior where you needed to be part of a clique to kind of progress and just, you know, people just shitty from the jump. And you're just like, wait, what the fuck have I done? Like, or you're get you're replacing someone who everyone loved. And so whatever you do, it, it doesn't. And even, this is funny, man, because there's one spot and I have replaced this dude. Everyone loved this dude. But he'd fucked up all this shit. Oh, but no one knew he'd fucked up all this shit. And so things were coming through. I'm like, why are we doing this event? I'm like, because Fingy paid for it. I'm like, what? No, that's not right. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I didn't book this shit. And it, but it, you know, people don't believe because they love this dude. And you're just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. And so it's crazy. So, yeah, all of these things are just like, ugh. <laughs> but it's like you can relate. I think everyone can, because everyone's been that new person in, in work, right? So you can relate with Maya and how she's feeling and just these weird incidents and everything like that. And it's just, 
because there's some as you said there's, there's some unpleasant people but yeah. everyone's a little too but we're, we're seeing a lot of two-facedness you know what I mean we've seen a lot of chameleons that we're seeing one side and then we're seeing another side and hints of this other stuff and it's just whoo man I'm gripped I'm oh, gripped because <laughs> you're setting up so many things you're setting up the world you're setting up the characters you know you're introducing the characters to your audience for the first time and mm. you always do worry that that like first episodes have got so much on their shoulders you know and and I always worry that that like all the setup sort of doesn't stops people from getting into a thing quite quickly so I was trying really hard to kind of skip a lot of the too much exposition in terms of like just trying to get into the world quicker and just get get a hint of who these characters are which obviously was in the scripts and, and really well written so yes I'm glad that I'm glad that you were hooked <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, there, there's enough information I feel there's enough breadcrumbs for you to be intrigued by the characters without fully knowing everything. Because I think from the face of it, and I don't feel it's a spoiler, but Sam's a bit of an arsehole. But then yeah. we see stuff and you go, she's an arsehole, but clearly she's been indoctrinated, right? She's been in situations where you can see she's been in situations she didn't want to be but has gone along for the sake of that progression in the company. And yeah. what it reminded me of, right, was Bombshell, the, I think, film came out, was that 2020? I feel that was yeah. 2020. Um, because it was like the secretary of the dude that ran Fox. She knew everything that was going down. She didn't warn people and other people in the company knew, but no one was warning. And so there's this culture, right? Absolutely. And then what I find is crazy, like with all the, um, God damn it. What's homie's name? Um, Steve Carell. Oh, oh, Epstein. Weinstein. Epstein and Giselle Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because she helped she helped with all this shit and hid this shit. And it, it's weird. There's, you know, obviously there's no sex trafficking going down in the film, but it kind of feeds into that weird culture of people helping a situation and people that you think, well, a woman, a woman wouldn't help rapists and things like that. But we, throughout history, we've seen it and yeah. we've seen people helps it certain situations and be indoctrinated into systems and it's all crazy and I just think all the events that have just happened in the world really I think tune people into what we're seeing in this even though it's completely different but I think it hits that little bit differently than it might have done if this had dropped say five years ago you know what I mean yeah, definitely. I mean, th that's the thing I think about this subject matter is that in reality, it's never black and white. Like it's, there's always so much gray area involved and mm. even, and it makes you question yourself and you think, I would do that in this situation. I would do like the right thing or I would call that out. But then you're neglecting 
all of the circumstances of that person's life, you know, maybe they've got kids that rely on them, maybe they've got a mortgage that they're struggling to pay, and outing this horrible person is gonna is gonna risk them, you know, financially, or you, you just don't know. There's so many factors involved. It's never ever as simple as like someone should just say something and fix it because some people people do say something and it comes back on them you know there's all sorts of things in place to protect these people when they're in such positions of power and I think power is the is the issue anyone who has too much power is susceptible to abuse it and there's very little that people without power can do it take it takes Sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes so many victims to build up that that suddenly they have a united voice that has power. But people on their own, you know, who are low down the food chain, so often feel powerless. And I think that is the problem. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I know in, there's a couple of jobs I've worked at where I kind of called out racism. And yeah, I did, that went nowhere. That went, no, like I one spot, I took it to the head office. I was just, it was my first job, right? Saturday job in a food court. And I took it to the head office because one day they just sacked all the black dudes. And yeah. it was crazy. And it was a, like, they got, they had the, the, the reasons they gave. You're just like, these are all made up, right? There was one, there's, they got a friend of mine to say I hit her. And that's why I was getting let go. But I was like, I was at a different end of the building. So how did that happen? And I'm on camera as well in a different spot. So the story didn't hold up, right? But And so I went to the head office and I laid it all out. I'm like, yo, this happened, man. All the dudes got sacked on this one day. And uh, I had a friend, um, another friend that worked there, this black girl. Um, and... She, I, I saw her one day and I was like, hey, how are you doing, man? And she's just like, I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you. They're watching me all the time. And it was just, they create this weird atmosphere. But when I went to the head office, they're like, yeah, nothing. We're not doing anything. I mean, you know, a complaint got made. So, yeah, you're done anyway. I'm like, but it was a false complaint. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'm like, so you're not going to do anything? Like, nope. Uh, yeah, it was... And that, that, that's, that's been the case in a few places, right? You bring things up and they just, you know, you're yeah. not part of the club, so nothing happens. But it, it comes back on you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it, and it's just like, and, I, and I've seen it, right? And, and you know, I mean, one spot, like, um, you know, my friend at the time, he, he saw everything that was going down, but he's like, I can't say anything, man. I need the job need a job right and I it's irritating but I understood because I needed a job as well but I was just a bit like I, yeah this ain't I can't let this go yeah and but yeah it affects you it affects you and it, it irritates you because now you're unemployed but it's just like Ugh. yeah I, I couldn't live with myself without saying something you know oh. what I mean so you understand when you see these situations, you understand why some people don't say things. Yeah, because because myself, I've been in positions where I've someone's told me something's happened, and my immediate reaction is like, right, well, let's make sure that this goes to the highest possible place that it can go. Like, let's let's say about this, 
and the person who is the victim of it doesn't want to do mm. that. And it puts you in a difficult position because you can't speak for them. But and without their testimony, you have nothing. You, it's all hearsay. So yeah. you know, it's a really difficult position. It's such a difficult situation. And like I said, it's such, there's so many grey areas. There's so many things involved. And you know, Epstein and Weinstein. You know, you see how that stuff can happen for years and years and years. You see how it can happen. It's crazy. Mm crazy but hopefully i really hope that if that situation occurred now i hope that there would be a different it feels like things are, are being taken a lot more seriously now do you think i think there's a lot of lip service that's been done not necessarily actions yeah you know because I mean, it was funny like uh, you know because people are like i'm posting a black square and i, I i'm saying this but then when you looked at the company, it still looked the same. Yeah. You know? So I, there's definitely places that have made changes, but I don't think it is. When you look at all the people that made comments, right, and the companies that made comments to the companies that actually did something, it doesn't add up as well, yeah. you know? Which is... You know, it, but it's going to be a slow thing. I think, you know, these sort of changes, it, it just, yeah, it takes time, which is irritating, but it's just human nature, really. Yeah, I know. It's tricky. It's a tricky one. Mm. And it, it's, not, it's not an easy one to fix because there's so many things to fix about the situation. You know, it's like, is it, almost where do you start, really? <laughs> it's like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you, you'd have to make wholesale like changes in some places, like sack a complete board and things like that. And no yeah. one's doing that, no. And it's the people in power that need to make the changes because they're the only ones that can enact real change. And you know, a lot of them are not willing to do that, so mm. yeah. But it's important that people call stuff out continuously and like put that kind of pressure on higher up no, yeah definitely and i think the more stories you know like this that get told right the more people see these things it, it kind of triggers that really like, oh yeah no that happened in my workplace oh there's a similar culture in my workplace yeah that's not right yeah but let's change this you know and and i think the more we see these stories but how does it affect the storytelling you know what I mean? Because you want to make it believable. You want to show, you know, as you said, the grey areas in the situations. But I think sometimes stories, they they run the risk of making a character like, oh, well, they had no choice. When it's just like, no, they had a choice. They just chose to do a thing, right? So you want to, you want to show that there are all these different factors, but some people are just shitty right so yeah, how does exactly. that how do you balance it well for me it's it's in it's very much in over the four episodes the journey that goes on with sam sam really you know but by the end of the series i, I don't think this is a spoiler but you know there's still a question mark about her you're like has mm. she learned but i think watching her kind of go on this journey and because she has a daughter 
she starts to question, you know, like how these things that she's denied have been going on with other women, like if that did happen to her daughter or, you know, any hint of that, and suddenly it triggers a different part of her soul and you know that she has many layers to her. And I think, I think that's a really important lesson as well, because especially in today's society, it's so easy to tar someone with a brush and then just leave that mark on them for the rest of their life, you know, and mm. people do change. People can change. People can learn. People can experience things that changes their thinking. Not always. Some people are very uh, stuck in their ways, yeah. but <laughs> it is possible. It is possible. And I think that's something that I want to put out in the world because that gives me hope. You know, it makes me think that even if you're a really bad person, there's there's hope for you that you could change and learn and see a different perspective and I think for me that's what Sam does in this show and I think that's what makes it feel a bit more real a bit more realistic because it's not like she's just not a, a typical baddie in that she's just bad she's she's also a mother and you know she's got all this other stuff going on she's not one facet yeah, yeah, that, that's what we kind of get with all the different cuts to different to time periods and different incidents and things like that, which does make it this super interesting, you know, tapestry, right? With just all these different layers of, of, the, of these characters, right? Even, you know, when we look at it, we, we understand, right? Just, just from the jump, you, when we first see Maya, you realize oh, there's something going on there, you know, but yeah. like, what is it? And we get it, we get some clues in the first episode with visitors and the like like that, but you kind of feel there's more to it still. And that's the thing with just all these characters, like it feels like we've only tip, dipped our toe into the world, which does make it because like, oh shit, what else are we going to find out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I what I like, what I loved about the scripts and the characters were that they were never like, even the ones that you end up finding out are really bad. You know, you, you get to see parts of their personality that are good because I think, you know, no one is, no one is one thing or the other. There's good and bad in everyone. Like we're all mm. capable of making mistakes and doing bad, bad things, but we're also capable of being good in other ways. So it's, it's really tricky. The ones that you've got to look out for are the ones that pretend to be doing a lot of good to mask the bad. Those are the yes. ones you really got to watch out for, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, indeed. Like, did you get any say over the script? Did, like, could you suggest any changes or things like that to the story? It was more, for me, it was more suggesting staging, you know, like, kind of, oh, I think this would be a better place to put this scene so that we can interact. And also, you know, once I'd, once we found those amazing offices and designed the layout of them and where the boardroom was going to be and that kind of stuff, that had a quite a big impact on how some of the scenes were shot. Um, but in terms of story, I mean, not really because we had incredible script editors and brilliant producers from The Forge who were like all over that. And you could kind of, suggest stuff and talk about stuff but for me they've done such a good job with the scripts that you know luckily I wasn't coming in trying to 
fix things that weren't working. Yeah. It was it was all working really nicely, and it was it just became small things like maybe cutting down lines or stuff like that that were difficult for the actors to say. Just stuff like that, really little things. Okay, and what about the casting? Because it's a great cast. Ah, oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it was. It, I really wanted to like find people that were brilliant actors but weren't necessarily like really really well known um obviously Maxine is very well, well known <laughs> and instead of and, and you know but I just I just wanted to there's a tendency with a lot of tv drama to kind of use the same actors I feel yes uh that's not it's just it happens and I just didn't want to do that I didn't want to just paper it with the kind of the go-to drama TV drama faces, um, but I'm really, really chuffed with all of our cast. I think they're so brilliant. I just, yeah, and they all like brought a lot to it because it was one of those projects where you kind of ask your actors to kind of bring a bit of their own trauma out. And and as a director, I was willing to do the same. You know, I'd be telling them things that I'd been through and sharing those kind of stories because I wanted to make sure that it felt authentic. And that we could each kind of find the humanity in it and, and mm. be able to feel like we were in a safe space where we could kind of share those experiences and put it into the script and make sure that it felt like really, really authentic. Yeah. Not into the script, but into the performance. Yeah. When you're filming something like this that does really go to some dark places... How does that work, right? Because you ask someone to pour all of this emotion out and it's like, all right, lunch, let's go. And then you're like, no. I'm still in that place. How do I get out? <laughs> like, no. like, do you have to give a certain period of time between certain scenes so someone can kind of departmentalize and all of that or, or maybe speak to someone and get back to a happier place? Like, how does it kind of work with that kind of thing? Well, it's it was something that I actually learned on Rose because I remember shooting a scene in Rose, which was a very, very like emotional scene for the actor. And, and I remember him coming to me and saying, look, I think I've got one more of these. I don't know if I can do more than that because it's taking so much, it's having such a toll on me. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, cool, of course. Yeah, like, let's just do one more. We've, we've got it anyway, it's all good. And so I took that into Rules of the Games with me because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting anyone, like, and I would say to them, you know, how are you feeling? Do you think you could do one more? Like, and I would explain to them about when I was going to shoot the closer shots because for me... I feel like that kind of communication is really important for an actor because they know that they can give it 100% on the wide if they want to. Yeah. But they don't necessarily have to because I, I'm also, because I was an editor for so many years, I, I'm able to say to them, look, I'm going to play the emotion on this close-up. This is the one where, you know, give it everything. Mm. Um, and they were really receptive to that. Um, and Callie Cook, who plays Tessa in the show, you know, she has to cry so much and she's got these huge emotional dialogue scenes that, and, you know, and she's the kind of person that can do that and bear her soul for you and then just be like, all right, mate, so uh, lunch. That's <laughs> 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 what she's like. I was just like, you are amazing. I just, you know, she was incredible. And Maxine is so similar. She's like really funny, 
on set and it helps when you're kind of doing quite a dark scene because she makes it fun and she keeps it fun mm. but she can go to that place like she can tap into something this is what I just blows my mind about actors really that they can do that it's so impressive and I get all this credit for it because oh you know you got really good performances and I'm like yeah but <laughs> they can either do it or they can't and when they can do it it makes your life so easy because you're just like wow you just sit back and watch the monitor and go Phew, that was great <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, man, I, I imagine. But I kind of feel, right, I mean, you're probably giving yourself a little disservice right there because I just think just that communication about, you know, the, 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 you know, the close-up and the wide shot, right, I, I think that means a lot to people because sometimes you talk to actors and actresses, right, and they'll be like, oh, man, yeah, we had to do a few cuts on that scene and it's like I, I gave it all in the first shot, but that wasn't, and then we had to do another one and you're like, Huh. Yeah, I'd never thought about that. So, but if you're giving them that information, right? This is a wide shot, so you know you don't have to be crazy on it. That's going to be invaluable to people. You know? Yeah, I hope so. And I think having that kind of communication with your actors is so important because even I remember on Rose, you know, Sophie Rundle, who's an amazing actor, came up to me you know she'd just done an incredible performance and she came up to me and she went Jen I, I, can I have one more I, I think I can do better and I said okay I mean that was amazing but yeah it's like you know and being willing to give them when they ask for things like that give it to them because even mm. if you know you don't use it or it doesn't matter it's about making them feel part of it because they you know they're so important they're they're everything you know they're absolutely everything so I just want to always want to make sure that they feel comfortable comfortable respected you know I think the worst thing an actor can feel is like a warmed up prop and and it takes their humanity it takes their dignity like you have to when you're asking for people to bear their soul in that way you have to be really respectful of it I think because it's yeah it's not it's not easy some of them make it look easy like Callie and Maxine you're just like okay but I don't think it is easy I do I think it I think it takes quite a special yeah, it's, it's a special thing, really. Yeah, because it's like we, we have people doing certain things and then in other scenes there's this haunted look on them. And you're just like, wait, how the fuck did you get from there to there? Like, yo, what is this? This is crazy. You know what I mean? It is, I think that was just the, 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 the craziness of this, that you, it was all very believable. You know, um, you, you believed in all these kind of things, right? The, the charm, be like, hey, do you want a drink? And come into my office and just all of this and be like, oh, don't say anything I wouldn't say in there and just all of these things. And then at the end, right? At the end, when the thing was put on the desk, right? And it's like, tell me about, and you're like, oh, and you just saw this kind of shift in the body language and you're like, oh, fuck is getting real right now like damn and then it ends and you're like god damn it come on <laughs> yeah well there's lots of there's lots of twists and turns in it and I hope that you know each one is is as exciting as I hope it will be I I, 
I remember reading the script and just thinking, oh, and ah, oh, like, you know, all of those reactions. And I just hope that the audience has those. But I think they will. I mean, people have been, people who've seen it, which is obviously not many people, but they have been positive about it. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that the audience is going to really react to it in a good way and even if it's even if it's in a bad way at least it's a reaction at least you're getting somewhere you're getting a reaction you know mm. better than yeah you. yeah I, I i do it is one of those things because it isn't uh it's not necessarily a fun topic that's getting dealt with but i think it's no it, it, it's just the way the story is being told and i i I, I do enjoy the whole, you know, the way we feed into the, you know, going back, right? It's just like, well, let's start from the beginning, right? And it's just a simple kind of thing, but I think it's the way it all led up to this, that moment, and then that, and it's just like, well, that was done well, wasn't it? That was a nice <laughs> little transition. And then we, like, meet these other people and everything like that, and you're just like, oh okay okay and you're trying to work out be like who do I trust here and like oh who, who are these people and just all those things just like the gift basket incident yeah that like how many times you'd be like oh my god thank you and it's like it's not good. and you're like <laughs> okay yeah so um <laughs> you know what I mean and just like people passing on tasks they don't want to do and it's just all of these things and you'll be like oh, I've been there oh god damn it. <laughs> so but it all just helps to make this whole kind of world very believable and relatable you know what I mean yeah that's good that's really good because that's what I wanted mm. <laughs> so, I so I'm pleased how much say did you have on some of the, the smaller things? Like, because as I said, like the beginning and everyone's in these, these pajamas and I'm just like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what? <laughs> right? Because it doesn't look like they're outside a home. So why are these people in pajamas? These pajamas? Right? So, so someone was in a frigging Care Bear onesie and I'm just like, yo, <laughs> dude, how do you leave your house like that? What's going down? So like, did you get a choice on the people in their pajamas or Maya's cat? That's an ugly cat. I ain't oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, <laughs> think, but it, it it kind of you felt yeah. I imagine she'd have that cat. You know what I mean? It didn't like there was these things and they didn't look preposterous. Didn't look crazy for the characters. You know what yeah. I mean? When when we see these characters in like even the the pajamas Sam's wearing, once you get that insight into Sam a little bit more, you kind of feel. I see. Yeah, you should definitely have those pajamas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the nicest pajamas, the classiest mm. pajamas. Yeah, no, I mean, in terms of the costume, I mean, our costume designer Carolyn was amazing, and and we we really wanted the costumes to read on on the camera, and that's a pretty tough thing because you know people are wearing jackets and stuff. So we asked her to come up with like the most flamboyant kind of visually interesting um pajamas that she could and she did which was brilliant and and um it's kind of like a bit of a sort of wanky director thing but I really wanted to use the color red as like a signifier for kind of toxic tox 
like toxic masculinity basically yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the only one's fumbling words right now <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, so the, the color red is very symbolic and it's only used sporadically throughout the show so it's like you know it's in sam's pajamas or it's in the phone that Gemma gets texts from oh it like the boss of the company on mm. and and like I really wanted to make sure or it's there's a lot of it in the flashbacks with Amy and stuff like that I wanted to be quite specific um at one point there's a USB that plays an important role that's red you know it's stuff like that um just because I really wanted to have a kind of visual signifier for it but I hope that's not a spoiler to tell. No, it's not really. I don't think it is. No, no, um, no. I, I, I don't think you've said anything too crazy right there. Yeah. <laughs> but red is, uh, red is a signifier for that. And it, that was fun, kind of like trying to create a world where you omit the colour completely from mm. the set and the costume until it's really, really specific. And with Sam, like right at the end of the series, I wanted in red you know because I, I wanted to like bookend it in this way and yeah for me it hints to something that hopefully people will pick up on I don't know if they will we'll see <laughs> probably they won't you never know so did everyone get their own kind of um color palette as it were each of the worlds sort of like so the world of the police station had a very specific color palette the world of the offices had a color palette and then with the houses I kind of wanted them to feel like warm like nice houses that you'd want to live in and mm. you know quite affluent and stuff like that um so it was just about like taking the color red out of the palette in in all of those existences until it very very was specific but with Amy there's a lot of red with Amy because well, I can't tell you, but um, yeah. but yeah, no, there's a lot there uh, in terms of lighting and like her costume and stuff like that. She even has red hair, but you can't even really tell because of the lighting and stuff. But she really suits red hair, actually. You can have yeah, that forever. No, I, I just think everyone delivered, and even like even with the people that you recognised from other places, you're never like oh, that's thingy from thing, right? Everyone acted, which it sounds crazy, but it's like sometimes when you see certain people, right? Like I, I kind of feel when you see Will Smith or Tom Cruise, a lot of time it, it's Will Smith and Tom Cruise in an action film or in a car, you know, voicing a character in a cartoon. And it's like, it's not necessarily a new character, but with yeah. something like this, we're actually getting, you know, all these people bring new people to life, right? There's no residual characterization from anything else. This is all new. And I think that's great for a story. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Um, no, thank no, you. I, on, honestly, I, yeah, I watched it and I was just, because I didn't really, I knew nothing about it until it came up on my feed. And I was just like, oh, Jen's got a new thing. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Okay, I need to check. Because I, I enjoyed Rose so much. And I remember when I was, you know, just doing prep for that interview and I saw like your production company and it was like, oh, you've got projects, you know, 
in the works I was like oh I wonder what's going to be next and you know but and then this came up and I was like oh let me see if she wants a conversation you know what I mean so when you were like yeah I was like oh awesome incredible you know what I mean because it, it was just exciting and so then when I actually sat down and watched the first episode right I was confident it was going to be good you know just on Rose but yeah I, I didn't know what to expect and this was just yeah, I was just locked in from the giddy up. I was locked oh, in from the giddy up and it, it was just so enjoyable. So That's I just, great. man, I, I think everyone's going to love it. And then boy, I'm just so looking forward to see what the hell happens next, man. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kevin. That means a lot. Thank you so much. That's really nice. Oh, no, That's great. No worries at all. You know, it's just, yeah just truth just truth like um yeah so how long did it like not that I, I won't I, I won't keep you too much longer but just like how long did it all take in general just to film and everything like that well we started filming in April and we wrapped in July um we did get held up a little bit with COVID and stuff but not too bad we got off quite lightly compared to some other productions that I've heard about so yeah, no, it was eleven and a half weeks shoot in the end, um, but yeah, no, it was it went so, so quick. We sort of started in winter and ended in summer, which was crazy <laughs> because we'd already established all these like jumpers, and our poor actors had to stay in them even in like, summer. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, no, and then prep sort of started in January, and I really finished officially in December. So. A whole year because a whole 12 months but mm -hmm. it was a great 12 months it was really enjoyable and my crew were incredible I loved working with all the actors and stuff and the forge was really supportive and really like just had my back and and that was really nice because it did it did feel like it was a bit of a step up for me you know in terms of budgets I have done a tv series before but it was like slightly smaller budget and it was for kids and it was like wizards and stuff um and this this was like my grown-up one you know so being with the big boys <laughs> and girls um so yeah so it was it was good it was a really good experience actually yeah really chuffed awesome so you feel that yeah this kind of brought you some new skills and insights into you know just the industry so you know your arsenal is you know, there's more arrows in the quiver, as it were. So when you get go to the yeah. next joint, you're going to be like, you know, wowing us even more. <laughs> well, it's funny because going into my next job, which I've, I've just started now, it's like when I was looking at what I was going to do next, I think because Rules of the Game, it's got lightness in it, but it's quite a heavy subject matter. And mm. I, I did feel like, I felt like I kind of put a lot of myself into it emotionally and looking forward I thought oh I kind of want to do something a bit lighter and then the script for Extraordinary landed in my lap which was just this really funny Disney plus show and I just thought that's exactly what I need is like now to do something funny and and like silly you know having done something very grown up and serious and mm. I'm I'm so lucky I think that that people give me that opportunity to do both because so often in this industry they want to just put you in one box and say okay that's what you do now you just make dramas mm. or you, you know 
just make horror films and I'm so I'm so lucky that I'm getting the opportunity to like jump genres a little bit because it just for me it makes it really exciting because you just don't know what what's going to be next and and it's just the next script that hooks you in that's that's going to be the one that you go for and I think that's that's so lovely long may that continue I really hope I really hope it does hey you know I mean just continue doing what you're doing right because when, when people see the quality of the work they're gonna be like oh we need some Sheridan up in this man so <laughs> you know what I mean it's, yeah just keep doing you and just keep doing you you know thank what I mean that's very sweet thank you Oh, no worries. But hopefully when um yeah, the the new the new thing is ready, you'll you'll come and we can have another conversation. That would be great. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Cool. I'm not doing the whole of this series. I'm just doing three episodes this time. So um oh. that's quite an interesting new experience as well. But but yeah, no, it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. Oh, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear more about that. So um all right, rules of rules of the game that drops Tuesday, the eleventh of January. I think yeah. it's nine p.m. Right, and yeah. um, BBC One iPlayer. But then all the episodes drop, so people can then just binge fill it. Fill up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can't wait, you can just watch watch all the episodes in one go if you want. Mm. So no, that 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 will be fun. Yeah, definitely, yeah. that will be fun. Um, so, Jim, right before we let you go, how can people keep track of what you're doing? Oh, um, you can follow me on Instagram if you want. It's quite boring because I just post about work stuff. Um, but that's Jen underscore Filmineer if you want to do that. And I'm on Twitter, which is just at Filmineer. So you can keep an eye on that. Oh, I don't tweet that often, but. I might get better at that. You never know. <laughs> Splendid. I mean, we'll we'll put the information in the episode details so people. Um, yeah, make sure you you go follow Jen because, yeah, the the sky is the limit, people. The sky is the limit, and yeah, check out rules of the game because, man, <laughs> it's a trip so far. It definitely is. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Kevin. It's so nice to talk to you. Oh, man, this has been great. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, Jen. All right. You take care. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. People, how great was that? I told you you didn't want to miss it, right? I told And trust me. The show is fire. And that was just the first friggin' episode. So there's three more. Three more. Three more. And if that is anything to go by, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. It's incredible. If you liked House of Cards, if you liked the West Wing, if you liked that intrigue, right? If you liked the way a story like the Memento is told, then this is all of that, people. All of that wrapped up with a great story. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, you can hear the passion Jen has about this, right? And, yeah, she delivered. She delivered. So, people, go check it out. 
So in if you're in the UK, 9 p.m. Tuesday, the 11th of January, BBC One, BBC iPlayer. So, you know, if you've got that VPN, people, yeah, check out iPlayer, man. Get you some rules of the game. We've got all the links in the episode information. Go follow Jennifer. Go support. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm looking forward to see what she does over at Disney Plus. You know what I mean? She's talented as fuck, people. So you're going to see her name all over the shop. Trust me. But I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you go. Go have fun. Enjoy rules of the 